Hey everybody, it's Jerry Norris with The Fledge. Welcome to another episode of Every Damn Day. Today I have with me Mr. Paul Shaheen to talk about the Sister Cities Project. Um, how you doing today, Paul? I'm alive and well, thank you. Yeah, so if you notice, we're only on one screen. Every other episode up to this point has been a split screen because we have been uh, doing everything uh, remotely. But Paul is our first guest in the studio, if you will, and we're testing it out to see how it goes. So thanks for helping me with my experiment, Paul. It's fun. So uh, Sister Cities and Paul Shaheen, why don't you tell us a little bit about those things, those peoples, those projects? Well, Sister Cities' mission is intercultural understanding world peace and it does it through a number of strategies some of which are exchange programs that's been traditional uh, we have exchange programs in japan south korea uh, ghana west africa uh, we're having a new one come up in in uh, italy uh, we're currently talking about hoha china uh, in an attempt to build trust and relationships uh, it's just, that's its mission now, given COVID, we've gone electronic. We've put a lot of things on hold. We're not likely to see a lot of exchange programs till there's an immunization and COVID seems safer to deal with. So we're, we're experimenting with electronic communications. One of the things we've done recently is work with Michigan State University uh, professor and students there to create a youth advisory committee because Lansing is blessed with a variety of cultures that live here. In our schools, I don't think most people understand this, in Lansing schools, over 80 languages are spoken. There are people from all over the world in this community. And one of the things we assumed was it would be good if those students got a chance to talk with each other, to each other, and get to know each other. Because I think most of you know we live in enclaves. The Polish live with the Polish, the Lebanese live with the Lebanese, the Jewish folks live with the Jewish folks. We, we, we tend to stay sheltered. In this world, we've got to find a way to break that. I grew up in Detroit, thank God, and Detroit in the 40s and 50s was international. It was everybody from everywhere. And I grew up afraid of some people, not afraid of others. But it meant if I got to know somebody, I wasn't afraid of their category, of their label. I was raised by a black woman when I was four and five years old. I could not dislike blacks. She was my mother. I learned. I began to meet Palestinians. I began to meet Jewish people. I began to meet Italian people. Each one was a risk because we had labels and preconceived notions. But after we experienced them, then you have a confidence and a trust. Sister Cities attempts to do the same thing. And our Youth Advisory Committee we want, while we've got the time in the next two years, I think, we're getting the youth to talk with each other. Lansing schools, to me, are a challenge do, to, to help. Do you think, uh, so you're talking about like outreaching from Lansing to another city in the world, or are you talking about within the school district itself, like the kids from Sudan who are talking with the kids from Syria, for example? Right, right now, given this opportunity with COVID, I want to focus on Lansing, kids meeting kids. They can do it electronically. They can do it safely. Sarah Osterling is, and MSU have given us staff, 
and they've created a youth advisory committee that is meeting and advising us on how to do this and whether to do it. So we want to reach internally for a while and get the local community to meet each other. My assumption is there's a need for that. I've recently asked the students to tell me, and the school system, Lansing School System, uh, Sergio, do we have a need to find bridges between our communities locally? If we do, I'm asking the kids, how do we do that? I was, uh, I was on another podcast uh, last week called uh, Just a Thought, like J-E-S-T, and we talked about, so in 1976, I was part of the Lansing School District desegregation. Oh. So um, I got bused from a school called Kendon, which was a pretty white neighborhood, over to a school called Riddle on the west side, so from the south side to the west side. And then the same thing happened to a certain age of kids from that side. So it was part of the desegregation and the Lansing School District's court case, I think, they were fighting it and lost that. Is that correct? Yes, I, I, I wasn't um, here, but I understand yeah. it. And uh, what, what we were talking about is how important it was in my evolution to have that experience to go to school with that yes. many pe kids of color and um, how today my empathy, you know, I'm, I'm a huge Black Lives Matter supporter. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge uh, uh, police reform supporter. And right. so I think that empathy comes from that. So it seems like it's important to me. Yes. Um, it's important to people to trust each other. You don't trust strangers. My problem with the whole desegregation issue was nobody did the infrastructure work. Nobody brought people together. Yeah. It was a forced operation. If You can't force people to like each other. People the, have to discover and do that through will and intention. Yeah. But it's we can better create, anyways, right? Yes, we can create opportunities for people to experience that safely. I think that's a lot of what Sister City does. We don't talk about it that way, but we go to Ghana. We live with people in Ghana. We help people in Ghana. We get to know the people in Ghana. That's, I came back from Ghana in 1990 with a whole new respect for what was going on over there. I lived in the Peace Corps. I was in the Peace Corps in the 60s. I went to Peru. When I went to Peru, I knew nothing about it. After months there, I, got, I was friends with people, poor people, rich people, academics, political people. The experience changed me. It changes everybody. What's that drink they have in Peru? Uh, uh, you have, uh, you're blo I'm blocking. It's a white drink and it's yeah. powerful. Yeah. Uh, I shouldn't forget. I'll remember in a minute. And you eat it with the fish that you cook with the lemons, yes, right? Yes, uh, so, ceviche. Ceviche, yeah. And uh, I, I, we'll come back to the drink. <laughs> When it pops in your head, go ahead yes. and blurt it out. Yes. So, sister Pisco. cities are, what is it? Pisco, Pisco yes, Sour. Exactly right. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I've got some friends. I'll give a shout out to Tante, um, the Peruvian uh, startup out of the Allen Neighborhood Center. Okay. Um, they're or he's from Peru, and then a couple other friends from Peru. Um, but it's good to have friends from all over the world, isn't it? It is absolutely life changing. It's, uh, you know, when the Fledge, we talk about radical inclusion, we talk about diversity and how powerful that is in our, our methodology to have that because it gives us bigger brains and bigger shared experiences and more words to describe situations. It just, diversity is so powerful in creating just a bigger brain. Yes. Um, though, if you don't remember what you get... <laughs> 
the names of the drinks maybe is our brains are well, shrinking. I'm, I'm a little older than I used to be, so I'm, I'm having trouble too. remembering stuff. When I was six, the war in Israel broke out with the Arabs, mm. and it was a it was a mess. Everybody hated everybody. My sister, my older sister, was at Wayne State. She brought home Palestinians from that war. She brought home Jews from Israel. She brought home Syrians and Egyptians. The rule in our house was, you come here to eat, to drink, to dance, to listen to music, and to share. If you talk politics, we will not let you back. And, and you're from Lebanon, right? I'm from Lebanon, yeah. So I grew up watching that happen. And the kids had to make choices. Months earlier, they were in the, in, in the Middle East killing each other. Now they're in somebody's living room in America, and the rule is you will talk and greet and share. If you don't do that, you're not welcome. They did it, and they learned, and they married each other, and they, and they got to know each other. The barriers come down when you're not dealing with categories. When you're dealing with real people, it matters. I, uh, I always thought that Sister Cities was just symbolic. It was just the sign when you entered Lansing, no. and I didn't know that there was work uh, happening underneath it. Dave Hollister created this first sister city relationship. He appointed Barbara Roberts Mason, an Afro-American leader in Lansing, to run that commission. For 25 years, she took her soul and put it into that work. She took it seriously. We have trusting relationships around the world. We want more. Yeah. Um, so to get more, is there something that you do every damn day, <laughs> um, which is the name of the show and the question I always ask? Well, I got elected Thursday last to be the president of this organization. Prior to that time, every damn day, I didn't have to do everything. I was on <laughs> well, a commission. Well, congratulations. Well, condolences. <laughs> now, the challenge is in my seat. The, the commission said to me, we want your leadership. We'll work together as a community. Now lead. So now every damn day, I have to wake up and say, okay, what does a leader do? How do I do it? How do I build a team in that commission? How do I energize everybody on that commission to be there and to have an objective? One of the things I just asked my board, a small group on my board, how do I make sure every member of the commission has something to do for the next two years that brings us closer to our dreams? And we gotta do that, each member of the commission. One of the Chinese ladies on the board said Friday, Thursday, we have to get to know each other. We only come together quarterly in the commission. There are people at MSU. There are people in the Chamber of Commerce. There are people in the churches. We have to get to know each other. We've got to start there. So that was a wise recommendation. So starting next month, we're going to start out each meeting with, each, with three or four people sharing their own lives, like you're doing now. We're going to do that in the commission meeting so we get to know each other. Because there's 23 people on that commission, 22. And they don't all know each other. We don't know each other's backgrounds. We don't know each other's taste in music. We don't know who fishes. We don't know who has grandchildren. We've got to do that work. And we've come closer as our family. All right. So we also daisy chain all of our episodes together. So yesterday was uh, uh, Claire Powers with uh, uh, Becoming Heroic is her project. And she has a question for you. And her question is, how do you, what, what significant change do you see in the world if your project is successful? And, uh, yeah. Well, it's a good question. Uh, I, I watched the beauty pageant a while back, a movie about it, and every single beauty winner wanted world peace. I want world peace. 
I think we can get closer to world peace if we respect each other, if we get to know each other, if the work we do brings us closer together in understanding rather than judgment, I think we have a chance to get world peace. That's what Rotary is doing, Kiwanians are doing. There's a number of organizations around here who are committed to world peace and understanding. And the strategies they choose are theirs. We're choosing ours. It's not just exchange programs. It's getting to know each other wherever we can do that. All right. And tomorrow on the show, I've got uh, Jackson Koloff, who is uh, working with kids right now and working with kids during the pandemic. So he's going to come in and talk to me about some projects he has there. What question would you like to ask him? Well, I didn't say earlier what I did, but I worked 30 years on early childhood development, maternal and child health. The question that I share with him, I don't have the answer to it, is how do you establish relationships in an electronic world of COVID with children and get trust? We used to be able to hug, we used to be able to touch, we used to be able to see each other. There's a lot of silent communication that goes on when you're personal. Electronically, it's a challenge. I was yesterday with a nephew who's, who teaches elementary school. So my question is, how are you going to evolve in communications with these kids and make sure we're picking up on the signs and that their real trust is emerging? It's a challenge electronically. How are you going to do that? It's a, you know, that's an interesting question to me because my wife's a fifth grader, fifth grade teacher, <laughs> oh my goodness, um, at Pattengill. And she is, you know, she's teaching class over in the corner there. And a lot of the kids, she already knows. So right. she already knows their background. She already knows their There's little um, things. But I'm thinking about as that flushes out, because she's been there several years. So yes. she's got the several grades that she's met the kids on the playground at least. As that flushes out, it becomes a whole new world for her. She doesn't have that. Exactly. Um, you know, know where they're ticklish almost, you know. And all teachers um, face this who are, going, who are going electronic. How do I establish relationships electronically? It's a challenge. I don't think it's impossible. I think it's different. We're going to learn how to pick up signals. We're going to learn in a new environment. But my question to your friend is, how are you going to do that? All right. And the other uh, thing that we do on the show is you have to answer that same question. It's not fair. Um, <laughs> I'm learning electronically. We're doing our meetings by Zoom uh, for the commission. And I, I sit there with a screen, and there's 23 people on this screen. And I'm trying to figure out how do I watch each of their reactions? How do I perceive what's going on as I would in a meeting? But I don't know how to do it electronically. I had people raising their hands I didn't see, and they got mad at me because they wanted to speak, and I didn't see their hand up because I'm not used to that format. We have to learn. Yeah. And I'm, we're going to. So uh, maybe we could have a sister city between the non-tech and the tech. So tech city <laughs> and non-tech city, and we can bridge when we, some. When we get back to visiting, we, we cut off visits to, we were going to South Korea this year. We're not going to South Korea. They're not coming here. I wanted to go to Italy. We're not coming there. We can do some of it electronically. I'm talking to people saying, okay, some of the kids want to practice language. We can do this electronically. Let's hook up between that group and our group and let them practice their languages. There are opportunities in this pandemic and there are challenges. Let's learn them, let's do it. Come on, we can do it. Yeah. So uh, there you have it. Uh, another episode of Every Damn Day. Thank you very much. I will be asking that question to uh, 
uh, Jackson tomorrow, and we'll stay tuned to hear his uh, answer. Uh, Every Damn Day plays Every Damn Day at 2 uh, p.m. Uh, yesterday's episode needs to get reshot, so I'll be putting that up in the next few days, I hope. And on October 3rd, which is Sunday, we've got uh, another 99 problems, but a pitch ain't one. So stay tuned for that. Thank you very much, Paul, for coming on the show. I think there's only one word that should sum this up, um, which to me would be peace. Peace. That was uh, right? my response. And thank you for what you're doing. This is unique. Uh, thank you very much, sir. Yep. And thanks for being the experiment. I think we got some things to work out and <laughs> trying to stay six feet and not quite getting there and what's right. our background look like. But right. every day is uh, a new experiment. So thank you, everyone. Talk to you later. Peace. Peace. Cool.